0: Hi, and welcome to CM Pod. I'm Ran Levy. Today's episode The History of LSD, Part 2. I'm very fond of Reddit, the social and news website. A bit too fond, really, the site has a reputation of becoming a huge time sink, and sadly, I'm no exception. Trying to make my Reddit addiction a bit more useful, I browsed the subreddit dedicated to LSD usage as part of the research for this episode. It is there that I came across a rather new phenomenon known as LSD microdosing microdosing is the habit of ingesting small amounts of LSD, usually about a tenth of a normal dose, as a way to enhance creativity and productivity in everyday life. While microdosing, you're not exactly high, but not entirely grounded either. A recent story in Rolling Stone magazine quoted a young businessman who said that while microdosing on LSD, quote, I was making a lot of sales, talking to a lot of people, and finding solutions to their technical problems. End quote. As you can probably guess, LSD microdosing is a very controversial topic. Forbes magazine described it in a recent article as a disturbing trend. But using chemicals to enhance our work life is nothing new. The coffee machine here at the CM Pod studio is always working overtime. Although, truthfully, I hesitate to call the liquid it generates coffee. So why is LSD microdosing controversial and coffee is not? As we heard in the previous part of this episode, the MK Ultra project clearly shows that many people in and outside of the establishment view LSD as a powerful and dangerous drug. Even Albert Hoffman himself, who discovered LSD and knew the effects of the drug from personal experience, didn't imagine that the drug would someday be consumed for recreational purposes. When LSD was first discovered, it was initially kept within the walls of the medical profession, but in the 1960s the drug started leaking from the university labs right into the hands of the students who were known to occasionally eat ancient leftover pizza slices and so were clearly accustomed to living on the edge. A short time later, famous musicians such as Jimi Hendrix, Jefferson Airplane and The Beatles discovered LSD and it became an icon of the hippie movement in America. Most of us have heard songs written under the influence of LSD such as Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. But in fact, psychedelia had a deeper effect over the art and culture of the 1960s. Many artists drew the experience of consuming LSD using dazzling colors. The big, fluid letters became a symbolic typeface of the hippies. Over time, those tiny stamps containing LSD became themselves a form of art and were decorated with different patterns and colors. But although a generation's art was born from the effects of LSD, this fact alone does not necessarily make LSD a beneficial substance. By the same token, just because a lot of artists were heavy drinkers doesn't make alcoholism a good thing either. It's also interesting to note that while being popular among painters and musicians, LSD never made its way to the world of popular literature, except maybe in the book the Doors of Perception by Aldous Huxley and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas by Hunter Thompson. The reason might have to do with the fact that an LXD experience is mostly sensational, while literature uses rational symbols and representations in words. Another option is that us writers are just a boring bunch of nerds. CM Pod is proudly sponsored by Outbring. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably used Outbrain today. You just didn't realize it, until now. Outbrain is the service that recommends which stories to check out next when you're browsing your favorite sites. Didn't know there was a service for that? Ever wondered why you see the stories that you see on sites like CNN, ESPN and People magazine? It's because Outbrain uses algorithms to figure out what you might like to see next based on your interests and other readers like you. So, the next time you reach the end of a story on your favorite site and you're thinking about what's next, remember, Outbrain thinks of that for you. Outbrain. We could all use a little direction. Visit outbrain.com for more info. In the early 1960s, Dr. Timothy Leary of Harvard University conducted experiments whose objective was to observe the effects of LSD. As with other researchers, he too noticed that when consuming LSD, the barriers between the self and the outside world collapse. Even the ego, the part of our consciousness that tries to define self-identity and create a coherent sense of control over the body, is completely gone. The death of the ego and loss of self-control could sometimes force consumers to reflect on their current lives in a detached way, as if viewing it from the outside. After such experiences, some people decided to change their lives completely. Timothy Leary became a fan of LSD, mainly as a way to promote social change. His motto was, turn on, tune in, drop out. Turn on, as Leary mentioned in his biography, meant allowing the drug to open your consciousness to new sensations and perspectives. Tune in meant reconnecting with the world around you with renewed harmony. Drop out was about abandoning your old lifestyle. Not surprisingly, this wasn't the way worried conservatives understood Leary's message. As far as they were concerned, Drop out meant dropping out of school, quitting jobs, and leaving parents, spouses, and children. Or, in other words, abandoning all the sacred values and morals that make up the American dream. Leary's outspoken opinions provoked firm opposition from the frightened authorities. He was fired from his teaching post and had to move to Mexico, which later deported him also. President Richard Nixon referred to him as, quote, the most dangerous man in the United States. When Leary returned to the U.S. and tried to revive his research, he was soon arrested for possession of half a joint of cannabis and was sentenced to 30 years in prison. 30 years. This sentence was appealed and later commuted, but it demonstrates the antagonism against Leary and LSD in general. This antagonism later led to the classification of LSD as one of the most dangerous drugs. Dealing it was considered a severe felony. Legal restrictions limited research possibilities, and as a result, the number of scientific experiments with LSD dropped significantly after the 1960s. So, is LSD truly so dangerous in the physiological sense, or do our fears of it stem from cultural taboos and traditions? To answer these questions, we must first understand how LSD works. The neurons in our brain communicate with each other using receptors. They exchange neurotransmitters, and so send and receive information from other neurons. Think of these receptors as mailboxes, and the neurotransmitters play the part of letters being sent back and forth between neurons the LSD's molecules take the place of natural neurotransmitters in the brain. They are quote-unquote foreign letters inserted into the system from outside. In doing so, they affect the way information is being processed in the brain, just as by wearing pink sunglasses, for example, the world becomes California. The LSD molecule connects to a vast variety of receptors, each of which has a different influence on information processing. As a result, not much is known about the exact way in which LSD affects the brain. One such effect is the release of massive levels of serotonin, a neurotransmitter that plays an important role in determining our mood and feelings. The serotonin receptors are located in many areas of the brain, and in particular the frontal cortex and the thalamus. These two areas work together in order to regulate signals delivered by our senses. Think of them as filters that allow some information to be processed while dismissing unwanted information so that the brain won't be overloaded by confusing and irrelevant information. When LSD is attached to the serotonin receptors, it disrupts the normal activity of the frontal cortex and thalamus and information flow becomes unregulated and overwhelming. Also, LSD promotes linkage between different parts of the brain, parts which are usually not connected. This causes LSD users to experience synesthesia. They begin to see sounds, hear colors, and smell feelings. Their sense of time changes. External stimulations, which are usually too weak to have passed the screening of the frontal cortex and thalamus, are now increased and become more meaningful. This mechanism is the reason why the actual experience of consuming LSD is so dependent on the character of the external sensory input. Dr. Timothy Leary was one of the first researchers to notice that a psychedelic trip is never constant or identical, but depends on several components. The first component Leary identified is the SET, the general mood and emotional load that a person carries with him when using the drug. If you are a stressful and worried type, your LSD experience could be very different than that of a calm and relaxed person. The second component is the setting, the physical and social surroundings during a psychedelic experience. A trip in a wild and noisy party differs radically from that of a peaceful picnic in the woods. Most psychiatrists believe that despite the fact that LSD is not the cause of emotional damage, it can certainly enhance existing manifestations such as depression and bipolar disorder. A best-case scenario could be a slight sadness or negative feelings becoming strong fear, anxiety, and paranoia, while in the worst-case scenario, tendencies of anxiety and depression could become a chronic psychotic state. A random reading of stories from LSD users in reddit.com confirms this view. One Redditor wrote, quote, I did LSD last November, and since then, every moment has been a living hell. At first, it felt like a giant weight was on my brain that was unbearable. Though the weighted feeling has gone away, I still feel terrible and am restless and suicidal to the point of going to a psychic ward for being suicidal. I have been to at least 10 doctors that have prescribed things like antidepressants, mood stabilizers, Xanax, all to no avail." End quote. Another editor wrote, I went bunkers for close to two years coming off a bad trip. Paranoid schizophrenic delusions. I thought everyone was speaking in code about me while around me. And a third, I had similar problems after a big dose of magic mushrooms. Took me two years to fully recover. It turned out much later that I had an undiagnosed mental illness, bipolar disorder, and one thing looking into the void like that can do is unleash latent psychosis. I've been to hell so often they installed a revolving door. End quote. A known phenomenon of the drug is flashbacks or random hallucination episodes which LSD users can experience weeks or even months after using the drug even though it is clear that no trace of LSD could exist in the body for so long. The flashback phenomena shows us how little we actually know about LSD. The popularity of LSD decreased significantly since the 1970s. LSD parties became fashionable again in the 1980s and 90s, but other drugs such as ecstasy, also known as MDMA, took the front row of the psychedelic show. Surprisingly enough, though, the academic interest in LSD has significantly rebounded. The research done in the 1960s is nowadays considered poor when compared to modern scientific standards. Many of the old experiments suffered from methodological flaws, such as a lack of proper control. Today, on the other hand, Researchers have technologies such as MRI scans and methodologies such as controlled experiments which allow researching LSD in a safer way. Recent research have also found that LSD can have a positive effect on psychological disorders such as anxiety, post-traumatic stress and obsessive-compulsive disorder. LSD, then, is a two-phase drug. On the one hand, it can change people's perceptions and provide them with positive life-changing experiences, as advocated by Timothy Leary's motto of turn on, tune in, drop out. It also has the potential to cure acute mental disorders such as PTSD and anxiety. On the other hand, LSD can awaken psychological demons that otherwise would still be sleeping if it wasn't for the bad trip. The psychotic disorders it can unleash on its users can be devastating. It appears that LSD isn't a good or a bad drug. It is merely unpredictable. You might have a positive life-changing experience or find yourself an emotional and psychological wreck. In both cases, it could happen on your first trip or never at all. That's it for this episode of CMPod. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, I'm a big Reddit fan. So I took the opportunity and posed a question to Reddit users in the LSD subreddit. I asked them to share with us their stories of extraordinary LSD trips, either positive or negative ones. So here are a few of these stories. Rubik's Head wrote, Did two tabs with two friends. I watched blue Christmas lights become a fleet of spacecrafts that came through a portal. One of my friends tuned his guitar, and when he did, the lights changed color and density. Then I died, and I turned into nothing, like some sort of an out-of-body experience. Pebbles1992 wrote, My body gave me two tabs, and we went to a bar. The bartenders and patrons all seemed like they were playing parts in a scene in a sitcom where everyone is jolly and celebrating together. I thought I was telepathic on multiple occasions because of situations like I would be getting really warm, then take off my hat and jacket, then think to myself, it's hot. And then two seconds later, the guy next to me says, man, it's hot in here, isn't it? Several more things like that happened, but I don't recall specifics. Cobra Commander 7 shared a bad trip. Quote, I only took two taps. I'm not entirely sure what happened, but I believe I simply wasn't in the proper setting and I lost my grip on reality. I was with three other friends. I remember just feeling very uneasy and out of touch with my surroundings. And I completely lost reality when I asked one of my friends if they were human and they said no just jokingly, but my brain in that state couldn't comprehend humor and I accepted it as a fact and thought that I was now on the town with some fourth-dimensional aliens. When we all came down, I was just absolutely exhausted, mentally and physically, but especially mentally. I could barely even talk. I believe I experienced some temporary psychosis and it was almost to the point of traumatizing. That fetus consumer wrote, with a best friend, reenacted Daisy in Provincial Park became animals grunted like them and drank water off leaves. Third time, 125 micrograms with same friend as last time. Biking through Provincial Park when my phone turned into hieroglyphics, and finally Jahanest shared with us a trip in a very unique setting: a flight from Austin to San Francisco. Quote, the world below me was not the world I had grown to be familiar with during similar flights throughout my life. I saw the ground as a vast circuit board, in which roadways pulsed with automotive electricity. I saw roads spread out from the center of small towns in a way that made it seem like the town was at the lowest point of an impact crater." Quote. Well, that's it. What do you think about LSD? Did you or do you still use LSD and other psychedelics? What was your experience like? Write to us. Our address is info at cmpod.net and you can also find us on Twitter at Curious Minds Pod and on Facebook. Our website is www.cmpod.net and you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and podcasting apps such as Podcast Addict or Pod just enter cmpod, one word, no spaces, in the search field. On our website, you can also subscribe to the mailing list and get an update on each new episode. That's cmpod.net. CMPod, our Kelly O'Loughlin, editor and co-host, Nir Sayang is our sound editor, Nelly Timore is our business manager, and me, Ran Levy, producer, writer, and host. Thank you for listening. See you again next week. Bye-bye.